You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. HuntStand is the most popular and functional mobile hunting app on the market. With a variety of base maps to choose from, satellite imagery that is updated every month, the ability to check the weather, no property information, and even catalog your trail cam picks, HuntStand even gives you the ability to import pins and location markers from other mobile apps. Visit HuntStand.com or download wherever you download your apps. Enter discount code SN20 at checkout for 20% off. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin-cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today, I've got a guy named Austin Stone. Now, Austin is a big buck hunter. He's a public land guy, and he has had some amazing success chasing after bucks in multiple states. But last year, he killed three mature whitetails, all on public land, all with his bow, all self-filmed, and... He's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this stuff. And so I'm really excited to chat with him to pick his brain about what we can all do to be better whitetail hunters, but also on public land, also for filming. And Austin runs Tactical Approach Outdoors. He also just created the Online Deer Hunter Academy. Basically, it's an education course and a virtual mentoring program. Um, so he does consulting on private land. He does all of these different things to help equip other people to be better whitetail hunters. And so I just can't wait to hear from him. And we're only, I mean, we're about five weeks away from season. Actually today, I think we're like exactly five weeks from season. And so these are the types of episodes you guys need to be listening to, to put more tools, more weapons in your arsenal as you go into the 2022 deer season. I cannot wait. I can't believe we're this close. I'm starting to get giddy. Unfortunately, I'm going to miss a lot of it here in Missouri, but for good reason. I'll be chasing animals in different parts of the country as well, so hopefully I don't have too much, what is it, FOMO, fear of missing out. I I don't want to be hip and cool and say those stupid things. Anyways, (laughs) enough about that. Let's jump into this episode with Austin. I'm really excited. Here we go. Like, he was doing things that were just badass. That was one of the coolest moments of my life. I was really scared, but knowing that Dan had the gun, I did have the rifle, like, we would be okay. All right, guys, so I know that last year was kind of a wild year for censorship for hunters and anglers, but that's why we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media censorship. Now, Go Wild is a free social community that was built by outdoors men and women just like me and you. Not only are your photos not censored on Go Wild, they're actually encouraged. And they give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you can unlock awesome rewards like gift cards, 
free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin and Vortex, and so much more. Check this out, though. If you create a free account, you can unlock $10 just for trying it out. So go visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. All right, guys, welcome to today's show. And joining me on the show today is a guy named Austin Stone. Now, we connected through email, and I'm learning a lot about him just in the few minutes that we've been talking before the show. But he's also from Missouri, which is awesome. I love when I meet people locally because then hopefully they turn into hunting buddies. uh, And it happens a lot sooner than when they live on the other side of the country. Uh, But Austin runs Tactical Approach Outdoors. He is a personal trainer. He sounds like he's just kind of got a lot of irons in the fire, but he's a big public land deer hunter. And so we're going to cover a lot of different topics today. And Austin, thanks for hopping on the show with me. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm pumped to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, why don't we start out by this? If you could give the listeners uh, a history about how you got into hunting, what that's looked like for you, and then maybe we'll jump into what you're doing now. Absolutely. It sounds great. So my name's Austin Stone. I'm the owner of Tactical Approach Outdoors. Um, my dad got me started deer hunting at a real young age. I was carrying my own rifle, you know, when I was 10 years old and carrying a lawn chair out there, just finding a place, active trail to sit up on and, and see if we can put some meat in the freezer. And about three years after that, I started bow hunting and that took me down a whole nother, another route. I'm sure you, you know, you, you'll learn a whole lot more in one season bow hunting than you will four, in four seasons gun hunting. Yeah. So, so it's been, it's been a journey. It's been a blast. And, you know, I shot my first mountable buck at 19 and man, that sparked a whole nother kind of drive and, and addiction <laughs> for this. That's for sure. And it's just, and you know, everything that I've ended up shooting some really nice deer through the years, been fortunate enough. And everything has been public land and it's just been a blast. I really enjoyed it. So um, last year ended up being my best season to date. And it was awesome. Shot three great bucks, um, two here in Missouri and one in Iowa. And one of them ended up being 170 inch buck, which definitely was my biggest buck to date. (laughs) Yeah. Dude, I like how you said it's become an addiction because really once you get into it, like there's people who kind of dabble in hunting, but when you, when you have an encounter with, you know, a big deer or just really any deer, like I've seen people get hooked after seeing one deer walk through the woods at 200 yards, you barely catch a glimpse, but it's like, oh my gosh, there's a deer. Like we're actually out here. We're hunting. It's, it could happen at any moment. Uh, yeah. there's, there's some type of adrenaline rush that I haven't found any other way to replicate that. Um, Not even close. and then like you mentioned, going from rifle hunting to archery hunting, I don't know what it is about archery hunting. I don't know what it is about being like more primitive. Maybe it's just because it's going to be closer range. Like your encounters are going to just seem more in your face. Uh, but very few people, I don't know that I've ever heard of anyone who started out archery hunting and then switched over to rifle. It seems like a lot of people start out rifle hunting. And once they discover archery, they never pick up a rifle again, except maybe here and there uh, on a certain trip. 
Yeah, it's it's a whole nother feel. I mean, just like you said, it's you got to be up close and personal. I mean, you can't shoot a deer at 200 yards away that has absolutely no idea you're there. You know, yeah. you got to your scent control has to be right. Your wind has to be right. You have to be so careful with your movement and, you know, you can't shoot through brush. I mean, the list goes on as the limitations as an archer compared to a gun hunter and a lot of deer survive because you've got a bow in your hand compared to a gun in your hand. And that in itself, it's, it's almost a frustration that kind of drives yeah. the, the, you know, the addiction. And it's like, I can, you know, and then when it all comes together, that's just, the feeling is, is completely different. It's, it's amazing shoot, shooting a, a deer with your gun. And, you know, it's, it's, that's what I grew up doing, but man, it is, it is different when you put one in down with a bow. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, there's something about archery season every year that I'm just like, dude, even if I don't let an arrow fly, just being there with the bow hanging next to me. Yeah. And it's a long season. It's not even like you only get a taste of it here and there, which is what yeah. makes it sweet. Like it's a really long season. Whereas rifle season, most places it's like nine days or less. And yeah. so when when you have a season that's so long you can go and enjoy it all the time there's still just this weird feeling when i'm sitting in the tree stand with my bow versus my rifle and i can't i can't explain it but it other than it being an addiction you were 100 yeah. right on that <laughs> it's truth man it is truth and and once you start getting encounters with those bit bigger deer you know all the deer you saw in the magazines growing up and on tv and whatnot once you actually start seeing those and if you're you, you know forced enough to start putting them down man that just feels a whole different kind of addiction like <laughs> yep oh dude it's a high that you can't you can't reproduce until it happens again i mean you nope. really can't i try to explain it to people i'm like there's no there's no crazier feeling than those moments like when the deer is coming in and you realize it might happen mm -hmm. to the time you let the arrow fly. And then it changes from that moment to where if it's running through the woods after you shoot, then it's just like, Oh my gosh, it just happened. Also, I really hope it goes down quickly. Like, <laughs> am I going to find it? And then it starts going to doubt and worry instead of excitement. Uh, dude, it's just all together. There's no, if you could put that in a pill, people would pay a lot of money for it. You know, oh, 100%. I mean? Yeah. I don't, I don't need any kind of drug to compare to this. Like, no, hell. <laughs> no, it is, it's as good as it gets. It is. Um, but dude, public land, I mean, that's a whole nother feat. Like being able to do this consistently on public land, three deer, three big bucks in one year, that's, that's insane. Uh, hey, are these properties, I know you said Iowa, you're kind of branching out into different states, but the properties you hunt here in Missouri, are you hitting the same public land quite a bit or are you kind of setting up new spots every time you go out? So I bounce a lot. I do a lot of mobile, pretty much all I do is mo mobile hang and hunt kind yeah. of hunting. And here in Missouri, I've learned to keep four to five different properties basically on taps because okay. i've had i've had my main property be flushed out due to hunting pressure in the past and it's and it's basically killed my season yeah. i didn't have i didn't have other properties to fall back on and you know through my through postseason scouting and all i'll i'll kind of i'll prioritize a couple properties and then i'll have my other properties kind of on on backup but 
I know kind of where I need to be in the general area. Yeah. So like last year, um, I had two main properties I was hunting and then a third of them. I, I, I touched on a third again and my nine point, my first buck that came out of middle of October, that was the first, that was the first hunt at that property for that season actually. And it was, it was still kind of early October. I knew it was what mid the 15th, I think it was when I ended up shooting him. So scraping, had just picked up, but I kind of knew where I needed to be. I was just waiting for those scrapes to, to fire up. Yeah. So yeah, I, I usually keep, multiple different properties on on hand and i i speed scout them throughout the season where i knew i had good solid sign from my postseason scouting i just figure out what's fresh and then just kind of go from there nice uh how do you go about figuring out where you go is it all based off of sign or do terrain features come into play are you hunting like creek bottoms field edges thick woods uh do you have a certain preference I always tend to get back into the woods. Yeah. So I'm always, I'm always in some kind of cover. Um, but I'm all, usually it's all sign based. So if the, cause I don't want to, you know, sign off this one spot just because I don't think the deer are going to be there, you know, because as I, like, Oh, there's no way the deer are there. That's not a textbook location, but yeah. As you know, hunting public land, there's a lot of people out there. So those quote unquote textbook locations could be the ones being hit hard with hunting pressure. So I need to be over here. And if I just listen to what the deer are telling me and let them tell me where they're at, then I can adjust and go from there. So usually though, I'm, I'm in a spot that's fairly difficult to get to access wise. I mean, it's not always the longest walk and it's not always the most difficult but most of the time that there's some kind of difficulty to get to it or distance. And, um, there's always a food source and bedding cover extremely close to that, um, that sign that I'm hunting. So a majority of time I, I'm focusing on scrapes and rub, make sure rubs are adjacent, but I focus more on scrapes than anything else. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you find that buck sign, you know, they're in the area. You know, Absolutely. it'd be mm -hmm. tough to set up on a spot if you don't have actual evidence that the deer are there. So hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you can find, when you can find those, um, kind of highways, those travel corridors where they're just going and you can almost follow them through the woods. Like you get on their line and it's just yeah. like, dude, scrape and rub and scrape and rub all the way through the woods. That's, that's a sweet deal. I found one spot like that recently and it was by accident. I was, I was duck hunting. And, um, I think it was duck hunting squirrels were in season and there was a squirrel across this slough from where we were hunting. And I'm like, dude, I'm going to go shoot a squirrel. It's been slow duck hunting. And so I walked over there and all of a sudden I came across this deer highway, public <laughs> land, yeah. uh, water access. And I still have yet to go out and try to make it happen there. But I've been talking with a couple friends and I'm like, we really need to do a boat or a canoe in uh, deer hunt this year. We can oh, go up, yeah. we can, even though it's not that far from our place, maybe like an hour and a half, um, 45 minutes for some of us, uh, we could get up there. I think it'd be fun to go and like camp out in the truck the night before, wake up early, get in the boat, cruise over, and then do a hanging hunt set up out there. That'd be, that. I started doing that canoe hunting last year and man, I, I'm looking for more of it. I mean, it, that was, that was a lot of fun. That was a different kind of hunt. Yeah. 
Well, there's there's not a lot of people who think about water access. And honestly, mm -hmm. I was not I was never one of those people until last year. And then until a recent conversation that I had with a fellow post podcaster um, from Southern Ground. Mm -hmm. And uh, he started telling me about all of his kayak in deer hunts and how successful they've been and how he's hunting these unpressured areas. And I was like, dude, that would be, that'd be I like canoeing and kayaking anyway. So absolutely, <laughs> you throw a rifle or a bow in the, in the boat with me and then I can go and hunt. Uh, that sounds like a win-win. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Uh, what you mentioned, you do a lot of mobile stuff. What is your hunting setup look like? Are you doing a hang on tree stand? Or are you doing saddle? Uh, how do you go about it? Mostly hang on tree stand is usually what I carry around. I've done some set saddle hunting. Um, if I'm just going to go out for like a few hours, I'll take my saddle out, but you know, come October and November, I'm pretty much hunting all day. So yeah. I, I, I want to be a little bit more comfortable. So I'll take, um, I'm using a X stand expedition is what I've guessed was like a nine pound tree stand. And so super light. That's, yeah. that's what I'm using right, right now. And, and, um, it does the job for me. does, does what I need to, to do. So, um, but you know, the saddle hunting, I used it last year in Kentucky cause I wasn't hunting all day early season and whatnot. And so I'll just kind of mix it up a little bit, depending on what my goal is necessarily for the day and kind of what my tree location is. If it's a, little bit harder to hunt tree than I'll just take my saddle out because I can get into a little smaller tree or a little different leaning tree with a saddle than I can to hang on so yeah yeah that's uh, I have yet to do the saddle thing it's very intriguing to me mm -hmm. and I really want to try it this year I keep telling myself I'm going to do it and then I get closer and closer to season and still don't have one like my goal was to get one this spring practice with it throughout the summer get really comfortable in it and then start using it next fall or yeah. this coming fall and i have yet to buy one so we'll <laughs> see if it happens it, I, i'm still hoping it does fingers crossed um what what have your out-of-state hunts look like i mean because it's one thing to go to different public land spots around mm -hmm. where you live but once you start branching out to out-of-state hunts like the cost goes up the time investment goes up uh, there's just a lot of other factors. And then you might be hunting a totally different type of terrain, um, deer that, you know, have different habitats where they move mm -hmm. from spot to spot. Uh, what has that been like for you? It's been, it's been re really good. Re really the trick for me has been my postseason scouting. I'll get four to five different properties that I want to cover and go look at, you know, and then I can just cover a bunch of ground. It's cool outside. And I can see a long ways. I can see all the all the sign from last fall and all, and really narrow down kind of which properties I want to focus on. And I like to find places where I have either a lot of different properties in kind of a a general vicinity of each other, or just a massive piece. So yeah. it kind of depends on how, on what I see access wise through e scouting and kind of what the the terrain vegetation and food sources just from what i can see on the maps on on east guiding and then just kind of go, go from there i like a lot of diversity and i mean i'm sure you're going to hear that from, from a lot of people too the diversity so yeah yeah that that's i like to that's my biggest key there with my out-of-state is my postseason scouting and then then i'm just gonna 
I try to hit cold fronts as best I can. And, you know, when it's out of, out of state, you do your best, you know, sometimes that cold front doesn't hit, you know, yeah. if you plan that, plan that trip, and it's a six hour trip, you know, sometimes that cold front doesn't hit. But what I like to do too is go a couple days, maybe before that cold front is supposed to hit. And I can do some scouting and, um, and hunt while I'm scouting and just kind of see exactly what the deer are doing and, and then make some adjustments that way I'm set up in the best place that I think I need to be for when that cold front hits. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I mean, it's the weather, man, as much as you want to play the weather, it's like, if you could only go out on those cold front days, you would not be hunting very often. Yeah. And so, uh, sometimes you just have to make do with it. Um, what, how do you go about the States that you pick? Uh, are you just looking at, you know, deer harvest numbers and, and the types of bucks that have been coming out of those areas? Or do you have kind of a bucket list that you're working through of states that you want to go and hunt? Mostly deer numbers and kind of um, success rates is kind of what I'm looking for. You know, if I'm going to, uh, like you said, the investment of an out-of-state hunt is, you know, can be fairly significant. So it's not all about filling your tag, but I do want to go to a place that could possibly give me the best chance at success as I can. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm going to spend, you know, an extra trip in the spring and do some scouting and at least give myself as much of an opportunity as possible to fill a tag as I can. And, you know, still be able to maybe figure, you know, hopefully harvest a little bit more mature buck while I'm at it as well. Yeah. Well, and you're in a great spot uh, up near Kansas City because mm -hmm. you're not far from Iowa. You're not far from Kansas. Honestly, if you shoot across, you're not that far from Illinois even. Mm -mm. And so, like, you've got several really, really good deer states within a short distance from, from where you're at. Yeah, I, I've kept kind of like a seven-hour circle. I've kind of made myself a, a five- to seven-hour circle, and – that's kind of what I'm focusing on. And, you know, where I went in Iowa was, you know, way North and that was a six and a half hour drive. Kentucky was also six and a half hour drive forming. Um, South Dakota was five and a half. So it was a little bit shorter of a drive. Um, but I'm super pumped about Kansas cause I'm only going to be like two hours away yeah. <laughs> from, from where I want to go in Kansas. So that's going to be, that's going to be a lot like hunting Missouri. So a lot of my places here are two hours. So, yeah, you know, that would be kind of nice having an out-of-state hunt that's a little closer. Yeah, that's sweet. I I haven't. I mean, I've done plenty of out-of-state hunting, but where we're at, I mean, I'm 45 minutes from Arkansas. Mm -hmm. I'm probably an hour from Oklahoma, probably an hour and a half from parts of Kansas, and I'm like, dude, I really could get out and hunt a bunch of different states, but that goes back to the getting comfortable thing, like yeah. getting kind of lazy, getting comfortable. And it's like, I've got property here. If I don't have my tags filled here, it's hard for me to go somewhere else and chase after animals when there's always an opportunity here for me to do that. But yeah, I, and the other thing that I have a hard time with is just doing like those last minute deals. If I'm planning mm -hmm. it, if it's an invite thing, if someone's like, Hey dude, you should come out and hunt. Yeah. I'll, I'll do a last minute trip, but for me to just be like, Hey, I'm just gonna, I'm going to go give it a try in Oklahoma this weekend. Yeah. Realistically, it's probably not going to happen. Like yeah. I'll just end up staying here and hunting with a couple buddies or 
you know, going back out to a certain chunk of woods that I'm used to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's why I like to be prepared because I'm right there with you. I, I don't like spending them up money and time on something that I'm really not comfortable, yeah. you know, in, in an area that I'm really not sure is even going to pan out. So, you know, it could be absolutely hammered with hunting pressure or, you know, the food sources couldn't be there, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe something happened drought or whatnot and nothing ended up planted or nothing grew the mass production, you know, sometimes that could, that could be affected. So, you know, I, I'm kind of right there with you. I like to at least have, have a, a comfort level and a plan going into my out-of-state hunts, hunts as well. Yeah. Do you, are there other states that uh, you're thinking about branching out to soon that you haven't yet? Um, I've kind of got a list. So, so Oklahoma is, is high on my list as well. And this year, with gas prices be, being kind of funny, I'm trying to keep my drive time down. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> you know what Every, I mean? <laughs> all these hunters are going to be buying Priuses pretty soon. <laughs> oh, facts, man. I, I'll strap a deer on top of a Prius. Let's go. <laughs> Strip it some solar panels up there. Yeah. just put, and, and the key is going to be like put PETA stickers and like animals or people to <laughs> stickers on the back. So you're, you're very inconspicuous on the way in and you yep. just don't care once you actually get one. Yep. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, Oklahoma for me, it's about a four hour drive for what kind of where I'm looking. So, you know, that'd be a very doable hunt this year. And I think you get two archery bucks in Oklahoma yeah. for a fairly about the same cost as here in Missouri for out of state tag. So, you know, I'm kind of looking at that and keep my options open at least, you know, so um, Kansas for sure. Kansas and Missouri, for sure. I'll give me three tags. And if I end up going the Oklahoma route, I'll add two more and I'll have plenty of opportunity to fill a couple tags. Dude, that'd be, that'd be crazy. It's, it's fun when you have like one of those awesome years, like you did this past year where you shoot three big bucks. I mean, yeah. you know, two of them in state, one out of state, but then you start thinking like, dude, how am I going to, how am I going to top that? You know, there yeah. are guys that'll go and shoot five or six really nice deer every year. Yeah. And I'm like, how how do I go about doing that? I should probably start, you know, figuring out this public land thing, figuring out the out-of-state thing. And uh, there's been a couple opportunities that have come up. Like this year, I think I might get down to Arkansas. I've hunted down in Arkansas one time. Okay. I was part of the Orange Army and mm -hmm. didn't see a single deer think i saw a couple <laughs> hogs run through but couldn't can't confirm that for sure and but you know ticket prices or tag prices are fairly cheap down there they've mm -hmm. got great seasons you can shoot multiple deer and uh i i might have a hookup this year where i can go down there and and try to chase after some deer with my bow so oh there you go uh, and i never if you would have told me that there were monster bucks not that far from me in arkansas I'd be like, eh, prove it, you know, but yeah. I've seen some pictures from guys recently where I'm like, dude, I don't have any bucks that size on the properties <laughs> that I hunt. I will definitely be joining you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't, I, I know Arkansas has some really nice deer and I've known some folks that I've hunted down there, but, um, I personally haven't gotten down there to do any walking or anything like that. So that'd be, that'd be kind of a fun hunt. Yeah. I like I like going and seeing different places. I like traveling to different states for hunts, but 
if I'm being completely honest, a big factor in where I want to go and hunt is, is it north or is it south? And the only reason I think about that is because of temperature. I hate the heat, man. You put me in like 50 degrees and under all the time, I'm set. But Absolutely. when people start talking about hunting in like 110 degree temperature down in Louisiana or Alabama, no thanks. I'm yeah. I'm completely out on that. Wait until yeah. wait until it gets nice and cold. I I don't like hunting here uh, early yeah. season because of how hot it is. You know, if I if there's a way that a tree could produce air conditioning, you better believe I would be running ductwork <laughs> through the trunk of the tree right behind my tree stand. Facts, man. Yeah, that that was a whole nother another ball game last year but we went to kentucky we've never hunted that early in september yeah. before and man it was 90s most of the week and oh. it just you know we saw big deer and we were on bit big deer but like and we had a good time but man it was brutal that just yeah. between that and the ticks and all it was just that just made for a brutal hunt and um you know i definitely want to get better with my early season hunting and do it more and do it more but man, it's not necessary. It definitely doesn't, you know, <laughs> the heat doesn't appeal to <laughs> no. spend a bunch, spend a bunch of money and all on going out to that, that hunt. So, but the deer, you know, the deer are there and I'm a deer hunter, so let's go for it kind of thing. So <laughs> make it happen. yeah, yeah. You right. got to strike while the iron's hot yeah, and, yeah. uh, it, yeah, Kentucky, I haven't really even thought a whole lot about shooting out East. Mm -hmm to deer hunt and I, I don't know why because there's great deer like i i oh, yeah. see big deer coming out of ohio tennessee pennsylvania kentucky the carolinas um i've got buddies that have hunted the carolinas and mm -hmm. dude the caliber caliber of deer they have there are insane i will say it'd be tough i've heard stories of guys you know going after certain deer and all of a sudden guys that are hunting deer with hounds come through and i'm like that would be difficult to get used to because I've had to deal yeah. with hunting pressure before I've had to deal with poachers before, but the fact that like there's a season where people can run dogs and I'm not knocking that by any means, but I'm yeah. saying that would add a serious challenge to my desire to want to go to a certain place to hunt, knowing that it could get blown up by, by a group of hunters with dogs coming through, you know, I, I completely agree with that. I mean, you, you said, you know, with hunting pressure, I mean, we, we deal with our spots getting blown up enough with guys just walking through, you know, doing deer drives and, and whatnot, trying to fill tags, you know, but, you know, working dogs and whatnot, that'd be a whole nother, whole nother, um, challenge that I've never, never really wanted to get, get into, but yeah, it'd be a whole nother ball game to try to figure out. Yeah. All right. When, when you're going on these hunts and even here in Missouri, are you down to only using archery equipment or do you still participate in rifle seasons? Um, I still participate in rifle seasons. Um, I haven't drawn an out of state rifle tag. Usually I just go with the over the counter archery tags just because they're, they're a little cheaper and easier yep. to get. And then I have a lot more availability. Like you said earlier, there's more time to hunt. So I, you know, I can at least be more flexible and when I can get out there and even possibly make a couple trips if I can. Yeah. And, you know, here in Missouri though, I'm going to carry my rifle when it's, when it's gun season, but like my 170 last year, um, I set my, my rifle down because I found this, some super fresh, just massive sign on an archery only property. So 
the second weekend I shot him the second weekend of rifle that, that Thursday I shot him and, um, and that was an archery only archery only property, but during gun season. So, so mostly I'm, I'm hunting my bow, but I'll pick up my rifle when it's season. It's, I, I guess I've never thought about starting to focus with archery equipment on those archery only properties. Mm-hmm. Cause I've got some close to where I hunt and uh, yeah, you can't use rifles at all there to hunt and you can't yeah. use them for anything. You can't coyote hunt with like an AR or even like a 22, 250. It's mm-hmm. all shotgun hunting and, and archery hunting, but it makes sense during those seasons I would guess they've got a pretty big influx of deer activity on those properties. And if you can be out there with a bow during rifle season, yeah, that seems like it might be a great strategy. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a lot of guys, you know, will hunt a little bit different of an a- area during rifle season because it's their annual trip, you know, with the guys, it's the, yeah. the buddies trip and having some fun on a different property and, that they'll actually get away from some of what they'll typically hunt. And I, I kind of do the same thing with opening weekend. You know, we've got our traditional deer camp opening weekend to rifle. And, you know, I might not hunt that property at all, except for that one weekend, just because it typically gets hit really hard with hunting pressure. So I kind of set my normal hunting kind of aside just to go have some fun with the guys for a couple of days. So, I yep. mean, you do have a possibility of running into, a property that may not be getting hit hard for a, a week or so. And, you know, that's all those deer need to get in, find a spot that they're safe and you can jump on it. It's amazing. Like I, I've never knocked rifle season by any means because mm-hmm. that's what I grew up with. I mean, that's how I learned to hunt was going out. And at that point I was using like a shotgun with basically a bead sight on the end of it. Uh, and rifle season was what it was all about for my mm-hmm. whole childhood. And it yep. wasn't until my teens that I, that I got a bow and started getting into it, but I could totally see people who are very into archery hunting or that's all they've ever known. The frustration with rifle season, because the amount that deer that deer change uh, their habits, their patterns, just because of all of that extra hunting pressure is insane. And yeah. I would have never, I would have never thought it had that much of an impact growing up, but yep. now looking at it, I'm like, dude, it changes everything. Everybody has it, to hunt different. Absolutely. Even if you're not a rifle hunter, you have to hunt different based on if rifle season's going on or if it just ended. Yeah. I mean, it, and you know, for what I've seen through the years, I mean, if I don't have a buck down by the end of no- November, it's the chances are there. I've seen deer you know, and through December and January, some good deer, but I mean, if I don't have a buck down come end of November, my, my odds have dropped significantly. Yeah. So, and, and something too, it's kind of interesting though. I've noticed the last few years, how the increase in archery hunting. So where, where gun season used to be, like you're saying, where we lost all of our, our, our um, deer movement because they've been pushed off a of property man, I'm seeing these properties get slammed for a good month before gun season even starts. Yeah. So, so that they're getting pounded pretty hard for a month and a half there, but before, you know, by the time December rolls around. So that's where, you know, I'm, 
I just kind of jump on it as early as I can and try to get my deer down when I can. And, you know, before they ended up being pushed off, pushed off or even, even killed. So, yeah, dude, I'm, I'm seeing it now, uh, in Wisconsin, this property, my family and I have hunted for 30 plus years. Uh, the past couple of years, there have been archery hunters now that have access to it and nothing against them. Like I'd be, I'd be archery hunting it if I lived there. Absolutely. Nobody in my family takes advantage of that. They're all rifle hunters. And so this, this property just sits mm-hmm. and it's crazy to me to see the caliber of deer that these guys are taking with archery equipment on the same 40 or 60 acres, you know, that we've hunted for years with our rifles and they're their first year out there. They killed two of the biggest bucks that I've ever seen killed out there. Yeah. And it just goes to show you like how different it is with your bow than with a gun. It really is. And th- those deer just haven't, they haven't been pushed into those super thick spots just yet. They're still mo- moving and in their normal patterns. And, you know, and that's where we can be savvy enough and get on them before they are pushed into those thick spots and where they won't, they won't come out and move very far during daylight. So it gets tough. Yeah. Uh, normally I ask this question at the end of the podcast, but because yeah. we've been talking about traveling and different properties, uh, bucket list hunt. Do you have Ooh. one lined out already? Like what is, if I, if I said, Hey, right now, here's your one wish this fall you can go wherever any state any country any species any weapon mm-hmm. do you know what do you know what you'd choose man that a yukon moose is right at the top man that would be a blast that'd be a good time yeah i yeah. i'm right with you dude it's it's funny because in in thinking about what i've always wanted to hunt it's mm-hmm. changed over the years. You know, a wolf was on the top of my list for a long time. I think it yeah. would just be so cool. They're an apex predator. Like I've always loved wolves. They were my favorite animal growing up, but I've always wanted to hunt them also. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't even know when it was, but at some point I just had a shift and like my desire to chase a Yukon moose with my bow is yeah. insane. And I mean, now I'm talking to people and a lot of people, I would say, the vast majority two to one pick that over any other type of really. Hunt. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I mean, this, it's gotta be the adventure of it. You, you know, I, I absolutely love the adventure, you know, it, it's not all about, you know, filling the tag, but man, that's one thing I loved about out of state hunting is you've got a little bit of an adventure feel to yeah. it. And, you know, m- last year, my Iowa hunt, that was a canoe camp. I canoed in a mile camp and then canoed another mile and a half downstream to hunt. So every day I was canoeing three miles, but you know, it's a mile and a half downstream, a mile and a half back upstream. I didn't see my truck for five days. That's you know, amazing. I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, he, he was a really big deer, but he wasn't, you know, my biggest, you know, but that hunt was something that's going to stick with me just because of the adventure aspect of it. It was just, it was, it's a blast. And that Yukon moose hunt, that just looks like a different kind of adventure. It looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. It, and like along with the, the canoeing aspect of it, I feel like there's something ingrained in us. Maybe it's DNA from, you know, generations and generations of like men traditionally leaving 
their families to go on these hunting trips. And I'm talking like you can go as far back as civilization mm-hmm. uh, began and cultures all over the world. You've got these hunting parties of men that'll leave for weeks at a time. A lot of times if they're close or if they have access, they're using waterways to travel. You know, they're getting in yeah. dugout canoes or boats or whatever, and they're going and exploring these uncharted places to hunt. And so maybe that's part of why the the traveling side of hunting just seems so amazing. Like, don't get me wrong. I would love to have 5,000 acres and I could go and hunt it anytime I wanted. But even though I've got access to private land and there's great animals on it, it still doesn't compare to going and traveling and doing like an overnight hunt somewhere else. Oh, absolutely. You know, that's a good way to put that. I mean, that it is in, ingrained in our blood. I mean, this is who, this is what we're supposed to do. And, you know, you see, you know, our ancestors and all, that's what they did. Just like you said, they traveled in hunting parties to go hunt and use the waterways and whatnot to get there. So I, that has, yeah, that definitely would be a good reason. I could see that. So that I just, that adventure side of the overnight hunts, you know, like you said, I'd love to have that 5,000 acres too at some point. And I didn't enjoy getting into the management side of it and learning how to build a, a property and maintain it and, you know, really create a nice, healthy, good deer herd. But it's just, there's something different about being able to get onto some public land and it's the uncontrollables that, are not only the most frustrating aspect of it, but are at the same time, some of the most um, rewarding side of it once it all comes through, because you're able to overcome all those uncontrollables and that adventure of that different hunt than what you're used to and still come out successful. Yeah, no, I, I agree with all of that, man. It's, there's something just cool about it, like going and just going the, It's Mm -hmm. always, it's always an adventure when you go someplace new, it's always an adventure. I mean, adventure happens when you leave, when you leave comfort, like that's just, Mm -hmm. I I don't know what the actual definition, like the Webster's definition of adventure is, but it's gotta be something along those lines. And, and then even back to like the ingrained in us, it's in our blood, it's in our DNA thing. I have people ask me all the time, like, why are you so passionate about hunting? Why is it that people get so hung up on it? And Again, I go back to if you look at if you look at human history, aside from reproducing, there's not really anything that we've done as long as hunting and gathering. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like it's always been that. And so it's only in the past, gosh, couple decades that I feel like there's even a bad light surrounding hunting for certain people. Yeah. And it's like all of human history is engulfed in hunting and adventures like that. And so the fact that you would, the fact that people are even contesting, should we do it or not? It's Mm -hmm. like, that's like saying, should we continue to write and document history? You know, Uh, should we continue to invent? Like it's part of us. We definitely should be doing it. And on top of that, the animal populations and the landscape are better having had hunters participate in it and contribute through through firearms tags and ammo tags and other outdoor products so um, yeah yeah anyways we yeah absolutely to, we can get back to actual hunting stories i <laughs> it, i get so excited about it because i think about like me if if i if i were born in any other generation like what would hunting look like for me 
would mm-hmm. I still be this guy that is so obsessed with it? And I can't get away from it. Like if it was still me, my body, my DNA, the same blood running through me, but you just put me in a different time frame. I just feel like I would always find hunting anyways. 100%. Like it would yeah. always yeah. be something that was a staple in my life. Yeah. D- different reasons, obviously, you know, but yeah, absolutely. It's, it is who you are. It is who yeah. we are. So we were made to be a hunter. So it's, yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, um, tactical approach outdoors, because okay. I know that's a big part of what you do, what you're passionate about now. Um, could you explain to the listeners what that is, uh, how you're involved in that or, or how you got involved in that? Yeah. So tactical approach outdoors. Um, I really got it started a couple of years ago and I've just been building, you know, my knowledge of the digital marketing and filming and video editing. And I just had a big learning curve myself and over really this past year or so is when it's really started to, I really started to let it take off and get going. Tactical approach outdoors is centered around deer hunter education. So we go back to what you said, it's in our DNA. You know, someone got me started as a deer hunter. And there's a lot of people out there that want to get started deer hunting that just didn't grow up in that family like we did. And I was like, why should, why should they be unable to get started hunting just because they don't have that person that showed them. And I was like, how can I help kind of shorten that learning curve and, and close that gap for the people that want to get started. And then the people that grew up with it, there's a big group of people right, right there in the middle that want to start, but just aren't sure where to go and how to get started. And, you know, there's a lot of things as a deer hunter that, you know, if you, you don't know what you don't know, yeah, kind of thing. So, you know, I was like, okay, what can I do to help that process? And I've developed um, Deer Hunter Academy, and that's on my website, tacticalapproachoutdoors.com. And that is a 23 topic, 40 videos long, and it's over five hours of educational material of everything you need to know to be successful as a deer hunter and using my public land experience in a more real world situation. So, you know, we're not talking about deer that are, are being managed and, you know, a property that's the pub, the hunting pressures being manicured and whatnot, you know, this is a real world situation. So I want to take all that and actually put it into a course that most people are going to be hunting, which is in the real world situation. So it's everything you need to know from equipment, you know, movement and sound as a hunter, all the basics covering scent control, uh, wind, terrain features, how to hunt each terrain feature. We get all the way down to, I talk about mindset. I mean, mindset is a huge topic to talk about that a lot that really doesn't get talked about a lot i've noticed that uh, there's been a few um podcasts and posts and stuff talking about mindset which i love hearing that because as a bow hunter there's that's significant to be successful as you have to have the right mindset going into it and then all the way at the end you know i'll put all of it together when it comes to the e-scouting postseason scouting tree stand setup and i really just try to outline everything and be as forward and upfront and just give you everything you need to know. And then what you can do is you can take that and then 
research more outside of here? Because as you know, there's so much information available uh, from the internet, from a lot of very knowledgeable deer hunters. And, you know, but like you said, you don't know what you don't know. So if you can at least be introduced, say, hey, this topic here could be exactly the reason you're not being as successful as what you could be. And the moment you fix that, your 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 success rates increase and your understanding really goes to another level. So um, I've also um, paired that with a one-on-one mentoring membership of sorts. And that's what I wanted to do to help folks that wanted a little bit more of a hands-on approach to their learning, a little bit more of a, a instant question answering. You know, you, you just need that, that person to text or that person to email and get a more immediate response versus, you know, scheduling that hour phone call, you know, a week or two away where, you know, hey, what is this? How, what do you think about this tree? What do you think I should do with this setup where that, that could make or break the hunt? Or, you know, how does this blood look? You, what do you think? Yeah. You think I need to get, give him a couple more hours? Do you think that he's, he's good? You know, what do you think that could make or break recovering the deer? So as I, you know, I would make that available rather than, you know, waiting for that consultation phone call, you know, a week later where the hunt's already done, you know, how can I actually be of, of help in the moment and in that that time with anybody around the country, you know, without me actually having to be there in person in the woods with them. So that that is Deer Hunter Academy, basically. And I'll add some courses, you know, as we go. But that full access course is that 23 topic 40 video course. Yeah, that's awesome. And I love I love that you made it to where i mean everybody has access to public land we just do Mm -hmm. it might be a little bit more pressured it might be a larger plot a smaller plot but the nature of public land is that it's public and so the fact that you can you can put on this academy put on this training course for people to figure that out uh one thing that i've always been fearful of is that i'm just going to lose the property that i have access to the private land Mm -hmm. and Uh, and I know there's people every year that, you know, they get kicked off or the family that they're, whose property they're hunting on sells the property to somebody else. And now they no longer have access. And so like, this seems like a great resource for anybody, no matter what kind of hunting you do, you never know when your property is going to disappear, when, when something is going to happen and you no longer can do it, a fire comes and takes it out or any type of natural disaster or you just le- lose permission or, you know, the neighbors start killing literally anything and everything mm-hmm. and you're just not seeing deer numbers. So um, that's, that's super awesome. And I'm excited to check that out, especially as I start hopefully branching out and trying to do this public land whitetail thing for myself. Yeah. And that, that's what I've tried to make it, you know, as, universal as it gets because really when you get down to it the basics are the same each state's different and each property's a little bit different vegetation and food sources and whatnot but overall the basics are the same so when you kind of get your system fit figured out you know every deer is going to work the wind you know in iowa alabama they're going to work the wind the same your scent control has to be the same your your woodsmanship has to be be the same and ha- how they funnel and use terrain is the same. So you're once you kind of understand those basics, 
And that's kind of what I want to do is I took it more of a, it's not just built for that beginner deer hunter. And that's, it's everything thing is there for that, that person. And then, but it's also for that little bit more of a, a novice to advanced hunter as well, that there is information in there that's more advanced that you can get, take something from and increase those success rates from wherever you are in the country. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to, to have the different levels or to have the application be the same for everybody. Really, at the end of the day, I feel like we overcomplicate deer hunting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think people do it all the time. And I'm not saying that you can be completely careless and reckless and go out mm -hmm. and see success all the time because I don't think that's true. But there's there's very fundamental things about deer. You know, mm -hmm. they use their nose. Like, their nose is is paramount in a deer senses. Uh, their ears are amazing. Their eyesight, it's good, but it's definitely not like the number one thing you have to worry about. The fact that people can kill deer close range during rifle season wearing blaze orange tells you that their eyesight isn't probably their number one sense to worry about. And so like it, once you start actually talking about the fundamentals, how deer behavior happens, you can, you can study it as in depth as you want, but with a very fundamental understanding of it, you can go out there and have success. And so yeah. the fact that you've got five hours of content and 23 different topics and 40 videos, that's, that's amazing. And I feel like anybody could get to a level where they're comfortable, they're confident. And like you said, their mentality can be in the right place in order to go out and get it done. Having gone through the training course. Yeah. And you know, I, I made that, two-year access so you know i'm gonna make adjustments to the course through the years you know as as time goes on you know refreshing videos put new videos up and you know that that course once you buy it you've got two-year access to it so yeah. you've got two deer seasons worth of access to that course you can always turn to and and refer back back to and something I saw a lot of is that there's a lot of um, educational material out there that's catered towards that little bit more advanced big buck deer hunter you know because yeah. it's, it's it's kind of the quote-unquote money maker or everybody wants to be that big buck killer so so you cater to it when it comes to the education but you know there's a little bit of a there's a gap i feel, feel like where there could be a little bit better organization of of information when it comes to the straight up fundamentals and and how to be just a a deer hunter, just a, a good solid deer hunter. And then you can look into those more success, more advanced information and, and courses that, that are out there and then just get better as an individual, get better as a, as a deer hunter. Yeah. I, I think there's, we all have this predator drive inside of us, right? Mm -hmm. And some people it's better than others. You know, I've hunted with those guys where I'm like, turn around very slowly and what, what what's back there you know and they freak out and then there's other yep. people where they come out and it's just like everything they do all of their movements their volume or like yeah their noise level like everything seems pretty in check even though it's their first time hunting and it's like mm -hmm. all right you've you've kind of got that figured out but yeah to get to to help people tap into that obviously everybody wants to kill monsters i mean oh, yeah who does yeah. the people who are like, Oh, you can't eat the antlers. No, you're right. You can't, but typically bigger antlers mean bigger body, which means there's more meat for you. So yeah. no matter what, 
most people would take if they were standing side by side, a yearling versus a giant mature buck, they're going to take the big buck. Yeah. I'm not saying anything wrong with the guys that shoot spikes or forks or six points. Like, dude, do your thing, man. You hunt what you want and whatever makes you happy, cook it up and enjoy it and hang that rack on your wall or get a shoulder mount. I, I'm not here to judge on that front, but yeah, there is something to be said. And even if it's not for like the trophy aspect, just the challenge of it, I That's, feel like people would be really, really into hunting spikes if they were hard to hunt. Like there's mm-hmm. the, the challenge aspect. It's just not as common. It's harder to do to shoot a big mature whitetail. Mm-hmm. And so it, to, to give people you know, the advanced course or the advanced information along with that of how do you go about targeting a big buck and executing your game plan on that versus, you know, at the end of the day, spikes are stupid. They really are. Like I, there's no learning around it. They, they don't know. Yeah. It's just like a a kid that might touch a, a hot stove. Like they just don't know that that's danger. I've had yeah. deer. I've had some of the dumbest yearling deer <laughs> that I've. I'm like, is this a wild animal? How has any predator not come and picked this thing off yet? Literally, I was walking to my buddy's stand one time, and I'll never forget this. We joke about it every time we see each other. I was walking over to his stand, middle of the day. We were gonna leave and go get lunch, and he was only 150 yards from where I was. And I start walking and I'm like looking up and I'm getting to the range where I'm about to say something to him so that like he can hear me, but I'm not having to shout it. And as I do, I look up and I can see his eyes go from me to something behind me. And I mean, he is like locked in. There is something going on. And so I, you know, do the really, really slow turnaround. And here's these two yearlings, no mature does around. These two yearlings are 20 yards behind me, just following me through the woods. And (laughs) I remembered that he had never shot a deer at this point. We're bow hunting and I've got my back now to the ladder. I'm only 10 yards from the ladder on his tree stand. He's way up above me. And I just start giggling. Like I just can't help myself. These deer (laughs) keep walking towards me and I'm just waiting. I thought for sure he was going to send an arrow at them. You know, his first deer, he was like just itching to, to kill something. Mm -hmm. And I just started giggling and I'm like, these are the dumbest deer ever. Those deer (laughs) proceeded. So they ended up getting about 10 yards from me. Yeah. And they never really like blew out of there. They just kind of were like, Oh, something's off. And they kind of moved along, but they never like took off at a dead sprint or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, later on that afternoon, we went back out and hunted. One of those yearlings went and laid underneath Tim's stand, literally leaning against the ladder of his tree stand. He's like, I could have dropped my knife on it and killed it. And, uh, yeah. Anyways, I, that's that all, that all took a crazy turn all because, (laughs) Shooting, shooting young animals, it just is easier, and I feel like it always will be. I don't, I don't yeah. think that's ever going to change. And so the challenge aspect of it alone for shooting a big buck is something that as you advance in the sport or in mm-hmm. this activity, you're going to want to do things that are more challenging, which is why yeah. people go from rifle to, to compound bow to trad bow. You know, It, it seems yeah. like making it more challenging is always more rewarding in the end. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's why I do it. You know, I, you know, it, there was at one point in, in my hunting career where you, you saw the first thing that was legal and you shot it like, you yeah. know, but now, now I've, I've progressed enough to where I'm seeing a lot of deer, you know, right off the bat. So, you know, I don't personally want to tag out in my first weekend and then yeah. I'm done hunting. You know, I, I don't, I want to hunt. So it's like, I don't want to tag out that fast and end up being done with the season. So why not start pursuing something of a little bit more maturity, something a little smarter and elusive and just less of them, you know yeah. what I mean? So just that, that challenge of it for me is definitely the draw and it's, it's, it definitely makes it rewarding. Yeah. I, I mean, you're a fitness guy. It'd be the same as me being like, Hey dude, you want to go and do three pushups with me? And you're like, what? <laughs> and you're like, no, I don't want to do three pushups. And I'm like, do you want to see what your max squat is today? And you're like, yeah, yeah dude. Like, dude, let's I want to, I want to go and squat 400, 500 pounds, whatever. And it like the challenge of it is just there. And so, yep. and, but who knows, you know, when you first started working out, if all you could do is three pushups, dude, that's a feat in its own, but Absolutely. it's not going to be as impressive anymore. It's not going to be as rewarding to you after a couple of years of hitting the gym consistently. And everybody's in a different phase in their, in their path, just like, you know, a different phase in their fitness journey. They're at, you're also a different phase in your, your hunting journey as well. And that's where we have to, you know, we can't get put people down for being at that point, different point in their journey than, you technically are, you know, maybe they are and their situation's different. You know, maybe they have that really nice pro property to hunt or they're hunting extremely heavily pressured area with a little bit smaller deer, you know? So it's yeah. like, that's why we have to be, we can't judge each other and fight amongst the industry. And, and that's something I, I wanted to start this, course too is like i want to help anybody who, and everybody who wants to get started as a deer hunter if i can help any way i can let's do it yeah like if I, I want to put it out there and make it available so anybody can get started as a deer hunter and we can build our our community bring new people into it and just build it back up see you're smart about how you do things i i am not quite as intelligent what i end up doing is just getting like I talk to people all the time and they're like, Hey dude, how do I, how do I go about finding the right chunk of land to hunt? Mm -hmm. And so then it's like, I'm talking to them and I'm messaging back and forth with them. I'm giving them pointers. You've done it to where people can access it and they can look at it all the time. And then they, you still have the, the aspect of like, Hey, reach out. If you have questions, Absolutely. if you have pictures, if you have concerns, if you need to know something like right now, mm -hmm. feel free to reach out. Um, it, it's just a more streamlined way of doing it for me. I'm like, dude, if I, if I did that for literally everybody who asked, I wouldn't have time to eat or sleep or yeah. hang out with my kids, but it's, it's brilliant that you've turned this into a course where people can go and get that information and have access to it all the time. Yeah. And, and something I'm doing too, is I'm, I'm running consulting as well. You know, I'm not just doing the course, but, um, onsite, private land consulting. So, you know, I'd not go into the habitat improvement route, you know, biggest reasons is because I don't have experience with it. So I'd be, they just wouldn't be good to set, sell that. So, but, you know, there's a lot, lot of folks that have, that are out of state landowners that don't have time or desire, or even folks in state that just don't have the desire or time to put into 
that habitat improvement, but they still want to see that success on their property. And really it comes down to, you can change how you hunt it. Yeah. So, 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 you know, I could go, you know, I'll go on property and scout it as if I'm hunting it and I'll put a whole, you know, binder, a full hunting plan together, you know, stand locations, trail camera strategies, full pattern of movement for the properties. They know exactly what's going on. And, and then I put into the, the biggest thing for me is the why, you know, that's the, how you understand things. It's not just go hunt here. You're going to see a deer. Why, you know, why and when is the best time to actually access that stand and hunt it. You know, maybe this stand you can hunt more often because it's, you know, less intrusion, but this stand you gotta be more precise with, with your hunt, hunting on and, and whatnot. And that's what I, that, that service is available for the, the private land. And, you know, I'll build a, put a binder together. It has maps and I'll put a, a video together for their property. So everything is so, streamlined and outlined and then they can take it from there and have access to the course and and just really have everything at their fingertips that they need and anytime they need help from me you know i'm I'm available as well and and i'm doing the um, virtual consulting as well which i throw public land into that too and that's really just you know we'll look at maps i'll help you kind of figure out kind of a good starting place to go i'll you know you know help you know, you'll tell me kind of what you know about the property already. And maybe I can find a little bit of a pattern or, or something that you, you haven't thought about yet and, and kind of puts you on the right track. Yeah, that's dude. That's so cool. Like I never, I mean, I know that you can hunt different properties, different ways, but it makes sense that, you know, if people don't have the equipment or even the desire to do any type of food plots or mm-hmm. land management, you can just open their eyes to hunting it a different way and they yeah. might find the success that they've been looking for without putting in the extra work, but just maybe mm-hmm. changing where they approach from or where their stand location is. Uh, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, I absolutely love that. And I've noticed it over the years. Like when I take a break from a certain property and then I mm-hmm. come back and I try to look at it with a clean slate, I did that this year with turkey hunting. I know yep. it wasn't deer hunting, but I, I said, hey, I'm going to do this differently. I used to set up in a similar area each time because I was like, I got a lot of trail camera pictures of turkeys there. This year we got out there and we heard the turkeys in the roost gobbling. And we said, you know what? We're going we're gonna to move and get closer to them right now. Instead of sitting here, this is where we envisioned sitting. This is where we told ourselves we were going to sit on opening morning. Why don't we change it up and go sit somewhere else? because we know the turkeys are going, we know that they're roosted over there already. Mm-hmm. Like coming at it from a new standpoint or with a fresh perspective can make all the difference when you're hunting a property. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, you've had that tree stand s- set up for 10 to 20 years and you, you've shot big deer out of it. You know, your grandpa shot deer out of it and that tree stand has been the same place. And then it gets to be bro, you're not seeing deer like you used to. Well, don't you think that those deer know that it's there? Those deer know that that tree stands there. They've yeah. they've now adjusted their movement around that tree stand, especially those big bucks. You may still the, still see the does and the little bucks and whatnot, but that buck's hanging up a hundred yards to two hundred yards away because he knows you're sitting in that stand right now, and he's just not going to come by it till dark. Yeah. So you know it's just changing that, just like you said, coming through with a clean slate. 
and a, a fresh, you know, mentality of it, it helps you find those, those points. And that's what I actually would say hunting out of state has made me a better deer hunter because it's taken that I've gone with a very open mind to these out of state hunts and seen a lot of success. I've taken that same open mind and implemented it into my in state hunting and it's increased my in-state success. So I don't get so married to a spot or married to a property. You know, I keep that open mind as if I'm spending a bunch of money, you know, on that out-of-state hunt or I've got limited yeah. time to make it happen. I'm taking that same mentality and that approach to it. And it's, it's it helped me see a lot of success and not be so married to a spot or even a property itself. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, I love I love just learning about hunting and learning ways to better myself as a hunter. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of land improvement or habitat improvement, but just just trying to be a more well-rounded deer hunter because I hear about these out of the outside the box like ways of hunting mm-hmm. and it's all intriguing to me. I'm like, yeah, dude, I would love right. to be a master of all of these different skills you know whether it's rattling yeah. or decoying deer in or water access or saddle hunting or you know shooting one with a stick bow versus a compound versus a rifle um people just need to need to know like you're never going to know everything mm-hmm. and there's always more to learn so continually yeah. be a student of the sport continue 100%. to be a student of the animals and you're going to be better off for it oh absolutely absolutely and that's what that's why I created tactical approach outdoors is try to give, give that opportunity to folks that, you know, maybe didn't have that opportunity to get started a a place to actually gather that information and have somebody to help them along their journey. And then they can progress past that and, and just take it to wherever that they want to take their, their deer hunting. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, we're, I know we're wrapping up on time here, but I want to find out what, what does this year look like for you? What do you have on the agenda? Uh, where are you hunting? What, what goals do you have for this season? All that. So, so this year, Missouri and Kansas are my two, two main States. Those are my three main tags. Um, last year, uh, when I shot my 170, about an hour before I shot my 170, I actually had an encounter with 190 inch non-typical oh my gosh absolute freaking toad dude and so when when I, do i need to come up and hunt with you <laughs> right exactly right i'll send you the invite <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so i like he's he's pretty he's at the top of my list to try to locate this year and i'm pretty sure i was hunting his core area he was the sign that that was meant that I was hunting and it just so happened that that 170 was also in the area because we had hot does, but, um, he's at the top of my agenda this year. And, you know, he, he was actually on, on camera on that 170 oh hunt. Gosh. So he's, he's on, on YouTube. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go check that out. <laughs> yeah. He's at the top. Um, so between that and Kansas, man, those are my top two. Oklahoma is, is I'm thinking about Oklahoma just cause it's, it's a fairly close state to hunt. It's, I can get, you know, two archery bucks with it and it'd be a good challenge and a fun new hunt. Cause I've never been down there. 
Yeah. So, but that's kind of the, the agenda for me. And then we'll kind of make it up as we go. And, you know, I, I would love to get down to Alabama for a December, January timeframe, you know, when Missouri is died out basically and get down there and still try to hit some rut activity. That'd be a lot of fun. Yeah. So, but yeah, for predominantly right, right now, I've got Candace in Missouri and then we'll go from there. Nice, man. Well, that's super exciting. And I'm, I'm going to go check out that video. One, I want to see the 170 incher, but <laughs> also I want to see the buck you're going after. Cause dude, 190s can blow up still. I mean, dude, I've he, heard stories of deer that are 190 inches putting on another 20 plus in one year. So I know he's, and he, he just looking at him, you know, through, through the camera and body size, he's at that prime age that he definitely could have another year of growth. And I'm, so it could be, it, it could be an interesting year. So I'm, <laughs> Oh my gosh, man, I'm already jealous. Like I've got that like nervous feeling in Dude, my stomach for you right now. He, he has been in my dreams every single night since I laid eyes <laughs> on that deer, man. <laughs> yep. Oh, they'll do that to you. Dude, they've got a funny way of messing with our heads, man. I know. I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> they that's really do. Be sweet. Uh, before you hop off, where can people find you? Where can they follow along? I know you mentioned earlier in the in the episode, but where can they go on and get hooked up with the course and um, the Deer Hunting Academy? So, um, Deer Hunting Deer Hunting Academy and Deer Hunter Academy and my consulting are all on tacticalapproachoutdoors.com. You know, all of my services are up on on that, and it that I'll also talk about my web show, and I've got some merchandise for sale and, and whatnot on that. That also tell you a little bit about me. Um, and then TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube are all tactical approach outdoors and Facebook as well. You'll find me on if you just type in tactical approach outdoors, you'll you're gonna find me. So YouTube is a combination of educational and entertainment, is how I like to run it. So that's awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you hopping on. We're definitely gonna have to connect at some point if you if you ever want to branch out and and try your hand at private land maybe you'll have just the just the change of perspective that i need to catch up with some of these big bucks so you've got a place to hunt man if you want to come down lots of sweet public land down here too and it's all within your seven hour window so absolutely dude no i'm game for that man i'm i'm definitely looking for you know lo local guys to connect with build a a bigger hunting camp and, and some friends in the industry as well. Some Missouri boys. So yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I enjoyed it. Absolutely. And that is going to wrap it up for today's show. What did I tell you? An amazing episode full of tips and tricks and strategy and stories and hopefully encouragement that this can be done. You can get out there. You can go hunt public land or private land. You can go scout you can do your research and figure out where these deer are moving and connect with them and so if you guys do want more tips and tricks and how to's of how to make it happen go check out the deer hunter academy see what it's all about see what kind of information is going to benefit you and make you a better hunter this fall i mean season is so close and i can't believe it but hopefully you guys are getting out there and doing your last minute food plot stuff doing some more scouting, getting trail cameras out, or pulling cards to see where the deer are. I just can't believe that we're this close. I mean, five weeks out is insane to me, and I can't wait. I hope to connect with some big bucks. And I haven't said this yet, 
on the podcast. But for real, if you guys are, obviously, if you're hearing my voice right now, you're a listener, send me pictures. I love seeing people succeed. I love hearing the stories. I love having that interaction. And I'm all about the community in this and connecting with everyday outdoorsmen and women. And so if that's something that happens to you, if you get some cool trail camera pictures or if you have success and you connect with the big buck or a doe that you're after, shoot me a picture on Instagram or I'll probably even give you my number. Maybe we'll make a podcast episode about it. Who knows? So I would love to connect with you in that way. Enough rambling though. You guys have stuff to do. I've got stuff to do. Deer season is upon us. So until next time, always choose adventure and God bless.